CCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. My wife Sarah and I, we were out last week, and so we miss being with you. So I am glad to be back this morning. And if it's your first time, maybe you're watching online for the first time. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so excited that you're worshiping with us this morning. We are in our third and final week of this series we're calling A Vision for the Future. A Vision for the Future. And we're talking about this picture that we believe God has given us, a goal that God has given us as a church of what NC should should look like over the next five years. And so we've been talking about this, how in 2019, our leadership team um, went away for a weekend. We were praying, we were fasting, talking um, and listening to God of, God, where are you leading us? And we came away with this goal. And we said, by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. So I want you to to do this once again, okay? We've done this every week. We're going to say this together, and this is the last time you're going to have to do this, because this is the last week of this series here, um, or at least for a little bit. So I want you to say this out loud like you really mean it. Here we go. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. Come on, church. We're believing that God is going to do that through us. And so we started the first week just talking about What's a disciple? What does that look like here at NCC? A thousand disciples, that seems really big. God has called each of us to fulfill that mandate of walking in close, deep relationship with others and also having deep, honest conversations with each other that are going to grow us to maturity in Christ. That's our heart and that's our desire. We want to walk together to become mature followers of Jesus. And then last week, we watched online, we were joining you guys online, but Pastor Caleb did an amazing job of sharing being a multiplying church and what that looks like and the dream that God is calling us to. And so if you were here last week, there was a giant map up here, and now it's hanging out in the lobby of just praying, and we're going to pray together as a church. God, what are you calling us to? What does it look like? And we want to represent the church that we saw in the book of Acts who was always going, and God was sending them. They were using what God was doing in their life to continue to spread the gospel and to build churches in other communities. And we want to be a church that's like that. Now, let me just pause and say this. If you were here last week, and maybe you've even heard us talk about the goal before, that can sound a little scary, because change a lot of times sounds scary, of what's that going to look like, and what will that mean? And we're just spending time together as a church praying and saying, God, We want to follow your lead of where you're directing us. And so this morning, we're going to continue along that same idea. And I want to talk to you about how a multiplying church is a serving church. A multiplying church is a serving church. Now, I'm going to ask you to write down some things this morning. So if you have your smartphone and you have the NCC app, you can open up the sermon notes. If you're here in person, there is a little card that says God's speaking to us. You can grab that in that pen because I am going to have you write down some things, or you can open up your smartphone and just open up a note. Um, If you're watching online, just grab a pen and a piece of paper, and you can join with us here. A multiplying church is a serving church. Two weeks ago, my wife and I had this amazing privilege of going on a pastor's retreat. There's this organization that basically pays all the expenses for pastors to get away for a week. So there was like 500 and something other pastors and their spouses there. And it's just a great time. And they take care of everything because they just want to make sure pastors are healthy. Their marriages are doing well. They're being refueled and refreshed. And so it's just the way that they bless them. I think we have a picture of some of our friends that are pastors on this beautiful oceanfront, like really amazing kind of view 
And I'd never been to an all-expense-paid resort. I doubt I could have really afford one, but since someone else was doing it, it's where they had this thing. And so it was amazing. Like there were nights where 500 and something other individuals just worshiping God together. And um, it was an amazing time. But then during the day, it was just kind of relaxing. And if you've ever been to a resort like this, I mean, they know how to serve you. So we're by the poolside, and as soon as you step out of the pool, here's a towel. And um, we're out there a long time, so they're bringing bottles of water, other drinks. We sit down at dinner time, and they bring you your silverware. As soon as you finish one plate, someone's there to remove the plate and clean off of your area. You guys, as someone with eight kids who never gets served, like, I got spoiled this week, okay? Like, this was an amazing week, and I remember we had this high kind of um, patio balcony where we could look over the ocean, and I was having a quiet time with Jesus, and I just thought, God, thank you so much for a week like this for me and Sarah, and I thought of this. This is an amazing way to spend a vacation, being served like this. It is a horrible way to spend your life, because you and I, we're not called to constantly be served. It's amazing when we have times like that, we are called to serve others and to give our life away. And although it's a great time and we all need those where we can get away, where we can withdraw, where we can be refreshed, it's not how God has called us to constantly live our lives. And yet that's how some of us think our life should be. We're looking for others to serve us. When God has said, no, I've called you to serve others. I've called... God's called us and he's put things in our lives that we would impact others. And so I want to talk to you this morning about that. A multiplying church is a serving church. What should that look like? I can remember about seven and a half years ago, almost eight now, we took this position as lead pastors here at NCC. I had never been a lead pastor before. I'd been a student pastor, a young adult pastor, all different kinds of pastors, a welcome pastor, a missions pastor, outreach pastor, associate pastor. I'd done a lot of stuff in a church, but I'd never been a lead pastor. And I remember being in my office. It used to be right downstairs here, right outside this sanctuary room. And I started making lists like, what does the pastor do? Like, what am I supposed to do? I knew what a student pastor did, and I knew what other pastors did. What does a lead pastor do? And so I started making this list, like, what's important? I want you to stop and think about that. If you have that note card, just maybe write down three or four things, like, what is important for a pastor to do? You can do that even right now while I'm talking. What do you think it is important that a pastor does? I remember trying to think through those items, like, what's really important? God, I'm called to be the lead pastor here at NCC. What are the important things that I... I'm called to do. Now, maybe you're like, I don't know. This is the first church I've really been connected with. So, Aaron, whatever you do, I'm assuming that's what a pastor does. Like, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. Maybe you have other things on your list that you're thinking about of, hey, I've seen some of the pastors here at NCC do this, or you've been connected with another church. And so maybe you're like, yeah, I think this is what pastors are supposed to do. I remember at that point, I'd been serving in ministry for about 15 to 18 years. At one of our first churches, we were the student pastors, so we hung out with middle and high school students, but then the lead pastor left. So I had to preach sometimes on Sunday mornings, and I had to do hospital visits. I was 20 years old, and I was doing people's funerals. And then we had church computers that broke down, so I taught myself how to rebuild computers. And we had internet wiring that was going out, so I rewired the church with internet wiring so that we could get around. We were a small town, and so I was really the town's youth pastor. We had students that would come all the time and needed help and needed counseling. Like, I just assumed a pastor did whatever needed to be done in the church. 
Like maybe that's kind of what your list is if you think about that. Well, the pastor just does whatever needs to be done. And as I started to think about this, God reminded me of something. And this is what I want to challenge you, this first thought, and this may mess with you a little bit. A multiplying church is a serving church because it isn't the pastor's job, it's yours. I know that's hard for some of you to hear. It isn't the pastor's job, it is yours. And I remember having to wrestle through that. If you have your Bibles, there's this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 that talks about this. Ephesians 4, 11 says this. He gave some to be apostles, and he gave some to be prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10 says this, that God gave gifts to the church. So I don't know if you guys know this, but I am a gift to you. You're welcome, okay? I'm just joking. But that's what he's saying is, hey, I, I've given the church some resources. I've given the church some things to help them. That's what Paul is talking about. He's right into this church in the city of Ephesus. And he says, I want you to know this. The apostles, the prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, all of these people, they're given as a gift to the church. But then he goes on to say, here's why they have been given. And maybe you've never thought about this. They're given to equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And then he goes on to say this, until we all reach maturity in Christ. And I remember sitting in this small office about seven and a half years ago and really thinking through that verse again and trying to really wrestle through that. I've been given to this church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And this powerful moment with God of Jesus, when I stand before you in heaven, you're not going to ask how creative and how amazing my messages were. You're not going to ask, Aaron, did you plan all of these fun events so people came to the church? And they said, man, NCC was just a great place to really connect with others. That's not what he's going to ask me. He's going to say, I gave you as a gift to the church. So how did you do at equipping others for the work of ministry? And you guys, we messed this up so bad. And can I be honest? We, we messed it up. Not really our fault. We're just doing what's been given to us. So let me take you on a quick history lesson. I've talked to you about this before, but if you go all the way back, if you remember history class, the Middle Ages was also called the Dark Ages. Maybe you remember that. It was a dark time for the church too. Because here's what's happened. In the church world, in the Middle Ages, during the Dark Ages, here's what they did is they started looking around and they were like, man, kings have big castles and they have a lot of money. And this is God's kind of work. So that means churches should have big castles and churches should have a lot of money. So here's what they did in order to make that happen. They started telling people, you can buy your way into heaven. Just give enough money to the church, put some money in the offering, and we'll make sure that your name is written in that book in heaven and you're going to be taken care of. They started allowing people to pay for sin. They were called indulgences. You could literally come to the church in the dark ages and say, I want to have an affair on my spouse. How much does that cost? And they would tell you and they would write you an indulgence. I want to kill someone. That's a little bit more, okay? But go ahead and give it and we'll write that to you and we'll give that to you. Here's how they did that. No one else could read the Bible. At that time, the Bible was written in this ancient Latin language that you had to go to school. You had to be a scholar. You had to go through all this different education. Common people, the average individual, could not read the scripture. And so they had no idea. So you had these messed up priests and pastors and teachers that were lying to people, basically saying this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It was a really messed up time, you guys, for the church. And then there 
came these other people. And you may not know this, but there are individuals in Christian history who died at the stake, who were burned alive, who were killed just so you and I could actually read the scripture in our language. It's amazing when you think about it. They died and gave their lives for this one idea. Everyone should have access to God's word. And with everyone having access to God's word, we quickly discovered you can't pay for your sin. That's not the way this thing works. And you don't buy your way into heaven. And it shouldn't just be a select few individuals that have access to God. It should be all of us. Like all of this stuff was discovered. But can I tell you something that kept going on that we really messed up is we still thought, oh, it's the pastor who ministers. He's the one. We pay him throughout the week to kind of do all the churchy work and all the church stuff. That's what he gets paid to do. And we come in and we sing some songs. And and all the pastors here at NCC, maybe you think that. Well, your guys' job is to make sure that the music is good and that the message is good and everything's kind of set up here for a Sunday. That's wrong. We have been given as a gift to the church to help you do the work of ministry. Let me give it to you in a different way. I love the fall. I've said this before because I love watching NFL football. Okay? And I know I'm going to get booed from the stage, but I am a Green Bay Packers fan. Sorry, you guys. Okay? Let me say this. It's not my choice. I married into it. Okay? So I didn't have the NFL team. And when I married Sarah, they were diehard Packers fans. So I did that. But I love watching the Cowboys. Okay? So I don't know if that helps any. Okay? And the Cowboys are having a pretty good season. Okay, we're off to a good start here. We, um, the Cowboys have Green Bay's old coach. I don't know if he's that great of a coach, but Mike McCarthy, okay, he's now the Cowboys coach. And I want you to think about this, okay, imagine the Cowboys are playing and they're having a rough game. It's tied up, it keeps on going back and forth. Can you imagine how irate if you are a Cowboys fan, maybe if you're not, you'd be happy, if Mike McCarthy pulled Dak Prescott out of the game and he went in and tried to QB, right? I mean, Mike's a bigger guy. I don't know how active he could be on the field, right? I don't know how long ago if he ever did play football, if he ever has played football, but that'd be kind of absurd, right? And yet that's how many of us are treating the pastors in our life. We're not the team. Each of us are. It's the church. And it'd be absurd to think that Mike McCarthy could be the QB and the wide receiver and the running back and the lineman and the offensive lineman and the cornerback and the safety and all of those. That's not the way it works. And this is what God is saying is, no, I've given pastors to equip you to do the work of ministry. I remember saying this quite a few times when I first got here, and I probably need to say it again, is the best message should not be preached from this stage on a Sunday morning. Do you know what the best sermon should be? should be at your kitchen table with your kids or with friends, should be in your workplace with that coworker that's going through a divorce. The most powerful opening and explanation of scripture should be as you're discipling someone else. The moments that you feel closest to God should not only be in this room, it should be when you're praying with a family member that's fighting depression or that's going through a rough time. The most powerful prayer should not be from me. They should be for you when you're praying for a sick Love one. This is what God says is you are called to be equipped to do the work of ministry. It isn't the pastor's job. It's yours. It's the church's. That's what God is dreaming of. He's dreaming of a church that will rise up and do what it is that we are called to do. 
and we stop putting all the pressure on the pastors like, you get my friends saved, and you impact the community, and you make sure things are functioning, and we just kind of sit back for an hour a week, and this is our contribution to the church. That's never what God was dreaming of. See, a multiplying church is a serving church. And here's why. We're a serving church. That's what God has called us to do because gifts are meant to be given. Because gifts are meant to be given. Maybe no one's ever told you this, but you are a gift to the church. You have unique abilities that are living inside of you that God has placed in your life that others are going to miss out on if you just hold them in and hold them to yourself. You are meant to be given to the church. We see this in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. You can write these down. There is a whole list of gifts that are given to the church that reside inside of us. Some of them may sound a little strange, okay? But there are gifts of prophecy within you. The Holy Spirit is living and he's given some of you the ability. You have this amazing potential to speak God's word, what it is that God wants to say to someone else. God's placed that inside of you. It talks about gifts of healing, that we believe within this body that God has gifted some of you with this amazing faith to pray for others, and even though they're sick, that God would bring healing to their body. There's some ones that sound really strange. There is the gift of praying and praising in other languages. Like, you don't even know how to speak that language, but God begins to pray and offer up praise through you. This is a gift that's listed in the Bible. This isn't made up, and I know that may seem strange to some of us, but this is what God says. I've given these gifts to the church. There are other gifts. There's gifts of administration. There's gifts of hospitality. Some of you are just ridiculously good at making other people feel really great and welcome here. Like, you're just good at that. Like you're able to talk to people and connect with people. That isn't just something made up. That's a gift from God's spirit that he's placed inside of you. And those gifts are meant to be given. And here's why. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, you can write this down. Or if you have your Bibles, you can look at this. He's talking about these, these gifts that are be given. So with yourself, since you are eager for these manifestations or these gifts of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Here's why those are in your life, so that the church would be built up, so that the church would be strengthened. The gifts that God has placed in your life is not just for you, it's for others as well, that they would grow, that they would develop in what it is that God wants to do in their life. So you've been called to give the gifts that God has placed in your life away. A multiplying church is a serving church. And it's each of us doing our part, using what it is that God has placed in our life so that others would be impacted, so that others would grow, so that others would develop. I want you to think about that. Your gift was meant to be given away. Gabriel, one of my sons and me, just the other day, we were at Lowe's, and they already have Christmas stuff up, which is crazy because it's the middle of October, but they did. And Gabe's first question was, Dad, when are we getting a Christmas tree? And it's because he knows under Christmas trees, there are Christmas presents, right? And I don't know at what age that starts to become not as much as a factor, but I mean, at his age, he's still gung-ho. He's like, Dad, when are we getting that? And how horrible would it be? Can you imagine if you know kids or maybe you have your own kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids or even just 
friends that you have that have kids, and you wake up on Christmas morning, and there's all of these beautiful, shiny, wrapped gifts, and you don't ever open them. You bought something special for someone, and you just let it sit there, and you never give it away, right? I mean, that's every kid's worst nightmare, (laughs) that that would happen. And yet, that's how we operate in the church, many of us. God said, I place something in your life. I've given you something to minister, to build up my church, to be a part of my kingdom and what it is that I'm doing. And many of us, we're just kind of sitting back on it. We're just kind of, hey, everyone else does this church thing and I get to come and I get to receive and that's my part. And then I leave. That's what I do with church. When God's saying, no, I want you to build up my kingdom. I want you to be a part of what it is that I'm doing. I want to use you to help others grow. That's why I put a gift inside of your life. So desire the gifts of the Spirit and use them to build others up, to build the kingdom of God. Jesus tells this parable. It's in a few of the different Gospels, and this is what he says. He says, there was one, this rich merchant or this rich king, and he was going away on a long trip. And so this is what he did. He called three people that worked in his house to him. And to one, he gave five talents, kind of like silver coins or gold coins. And he said, I want you to take this and do something while I leave. To another, he gave three. And to another, he gave one. And when he comes back, he calls these individuals to himself. And this is what he says to the first one that he gave five. He says, what did you do? And he says, master, I multiplied it. I took what you gave me and I added to it. And the master's blown away, and he's like, that is absolutely amazing because you multiply it here. Here's more. You were faithful in a little, so I'm going to give you much. Well done. Good job. To the one with three, he does the same thing. He says, I've multiplied it, master. And he says, great job because you've been faithful in a little. I will make you ruler over much. Here's more. Well done. And to the one that had one, he said, what did you do? And he said, I hid it. Does this sound familiar? I was afraid of failing. I thought I may lose it. I didn't want to upset you. I didn't know what to do. And so I just kind of sat on this and I buried it. And the king gets irate and he gets upset. And he's like, seriously, that's what you did? You didn't didn't do anything with it? You didn't make any attempt? And he says, get away from me, you wicked servant. That's his response. This isn't just a story about how you handle the money God has given you. He's talking about the gifts he's placed in your life. Can I tell you, it's going to be a sad moment when some of us stand before our Savior. And we have to be honest, God, I just hit it. I didn't know if I was going to fail. I didn't know what to do with it. And so, yeah, I just, I didn't do anything with it. When God says, I've given you something. I've invested something in you. What are you doing with the investment that I placed in your life? Are you using it to build my kingdom? Or are you just hiding it from other people? See, a multiplying church is a serving church because gifts are meant to be given. That's what God has called us to do. And I want you to think about this. I remember a number of years ago, there was this book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. And in Bible college, we had to read it. And I read these crazy stories. If any of you guys have ever read it, and it's kind of been redone in different ways over the years, but it's these stories of not just pastors, but business owners and teachers 
and young adults that are just starting in their career in other countries that are building the church of Jesus Christ. And you read these amazing stories of people in countries like China and other countries that are closed in the Middle East and areas of Southeast Asia where people are imprisoned just for worshiping Jesus. And do you know what they do in prison? They start to serve the prison guards. They begin to pray for them. They give other prisoners their food just to make sure that they're healthy and they have enough. And that's the stories we tell. No one ever reads a book about someone that came and sat in a church seat for one hour on a Sunday morning and then just went out and lived their lives. But can I tell you, I can't even count the amount of tears that I shed reading about people's sacrifice because you and I are called to serve. That's the hero's life. That's the life God has called us into, that we would take even the little that we've been given and we would find a way to give it away, to bless others, to build God's kingdom because a multiplying church is a serving church. A multiplying church is a serving church. So one last thought, show off your serve. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's not just about serving in this place. It's about serving in our community. That's what God's called you to do. And this is what he's saying. He's like, I want you to serve in such a way that people who don't believe in God, who are like, I don't know about that Jesus thing, and I'm not really into church, that people that live like that, they would see your life and they would say, I know God is real. Because I see it inside of you. I see the way that you're using your gifts. I see the way that you sacrifice. I see the way that you give yourself. Of course, Jesus has to be real and living because I see him inside of you. You and I are called to show off our serving so that others could see God and they would glorify our Father who is in heaven. They're going to know that God is real by the way that you're serving. And so he's saying, be a light. Be a light to those that are around you. Be a light to others that God has given. That's what God has called you to do. Let me challenge you with this. Whenever we first got this vision and this goal of, hey, God, we could be in other campuses. God, we could be in other locations. We wrestled with that. Because we own quite a bit of land here. And we thought through this idea, well, we could just build a bigger sanctuary, right? Like we own all this property over here and some back here on this back area and everything. We could just keep building this thing bigger. But then we started thinking, well, if we did that, we would just need one kid's pastor. And we may need one student pastor and one lead pastor. But what if we had not just one church that was really large, but what if we were a network of a lot of churches that were a tight-knit community? Well, we wouldn't just need one person speaking on a Sunday morning. We'd need quite a few. And we wouldn't need one student pastor. We would need quite a few. And we don't need just three or four to welcome. We need now 12 or 20 because there's all these different campuses and service times. Like we need everyone serving. Everyone needs to do this. And we don't just need one kid's teacher, but we need a lot of kid's teachers all over these campuses. We need everyone using what God has placed in their life to serve others and to build God's church and to be a part of his kingdom. And that's what we said is we want everyone involved in this. 
We're not looking for one superhero. We're looking for a church. We're looking for God's team. We're looking for each of us to build the kingdom of God. That's God's dream for us. And can I tell you what's at stake, church? Can I tell you what the cost is if we don't do this? Yeah, we can sit comfortably and we can say, hey, we've built this nice new addition. And man, it feels good. We have a good worship team. And Pastor Aaron, you preach these funny messages and you make us laugh and feel good. And we just get comfortable. And other people miss out on the gospel. And other communities miss out on what God is calling us to do. And you and I never step up into what God is speaking over our lives. We never realize those gifts and those talents. But whenever we're stretched and whenever God's multiplying us, it takes each and every one of us serving to build God's kingdom, to build his church. That's what he's calling us to A multiplying church is a serving church. It's all of us stepping into our God calling and our God-given gifts to build his church and to build his kingdom. That's why we say by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses because this is all of us doing what God has called us to do. That's the kind of church God's dreaming of. That's what we want. And we dream for NCC, for each of us to be what it is that God is speaking over us. And so I want to pray for you this morning. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And you may be watching online. And maybe you're hearing this challenging message that God has a dream for you and God has gifts for your life. But maybe you've never taken that first step. Maybe you've never surrendered your life. You're still waiting to be served. And can I tell you, that's a really bad way to live your life. God's dreaming of something different for you. God's dreaming of something different for your life. And he's inviting you into a relationship with him. So if you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching, worshiping with us online, and you've never taken that step to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to invite everyone in the room to say this prayer with me. We don't want anyone praying alone. Even if you're by yourself, say this out loud because we want to pray this together. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. And I need a brand new start. So come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a fresh start. I pray in your name. Amen. Now, church, can you put your hands together and celebrate? Because the Bible says that heaven's rejoicing. Heaven throws a party when even one person makes that decision to follow Jesus. And so if that's you, we're excited for you in starting this journey with Jesus. And I'm going to ask all of us to respond this morning. We've created some time at the end of this service to be able to do this. So we don't need to rush out this morning. We're going to respond in a couple of ways to this message. Because I believe this, a multiplying church is a serving church. So I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up. And there's this song that I've been listening to the past few months that God's just been resonating it in my heart. And we're going to sing this together this morning. It talks about the amazing things that Jesus has done. And then how we get to partner with him 
in building his church because of his sacrifice, because of what it is that Christ has done. We get to be a part of what it is that God is doing. And so we're going to stand up and we're going to sing this, and then we're going to take a moment and reflect on it. So I'm going to invite you, go ahead and stand to your feet. If you're worshiping with us online, don't just sit there, but go ahead and stand up. And church, lift up your voice. Let's worship God together. Let's sing this out this morning.